This is Katie Prejean McGrady, and this is Ave Explores. Oftentimes, when we think of mission work or missionary work, we imagine a group of people going to a place and doing some good things there, building a church, building a school, running a vacation Bible school, and then leaving. And they remember their trip fondly, they've got photos, they've got stories, but they go back to their normal everyday life. And Sean Forrest, the founder of Haiti 180, turns that entire vision of mission on its head. And rather than people just show up and build something or teach something, instead, missionaries who work with Haiti 180, this orphanage, old folks home, school, hospital, this village, essentially, that Sean and the people of Haiti have created, folks who go to do ministry with Haiti 180 leave having relationships with the Haitian people, having stories to tell about how the Haitian people's witness to faith and, and perseverance through struggle and suffering has changed their own lives, has really called them to the mat when they start to recognize their own privilege, how their own faith is deeply affected by this time spent in Haiti. When we think about the church across the world, we should never forget the church in places that is in desperate need of not only humanitarian aid, but in witness to the gospel, and then also hear the stories of folks who are taking that work on. And Sean Forrest is one of the folks, one of the people who is doing that. He spends probably half the year in Haiti, the other half of the year in Nashville, running this nonprofit ministry mission organization that he tells us the story of how it was founded today, but then also gives us a snapshot of what the church looks like in Haiti, a church that is built upon the lives of people who have experienced such intense suffering and yet still have a deep love of the church and of the faith, giving us a snapshot of, of the beauty of Catholicism and even the hardest area of the world to live. This, of course, is all part of our Ave Explorer series on Catholicism around the world. You can find all of our content over at AveMariaPress.com. Subscribe to get the emails. Check out all of the social media exclusives on our Instagram and Facebook page. And, of course, continue to find all of the episodes for this podcast wherever you listen to your podcasts. We'd be grateful if you'd subscribe, if you'd rate, if you'd review, if you'd share. But for right now, we hope that you enjoy this conversation with Sean Forrest, the founder of Haiti 180, about his mission, his ministry, and the church in Haiti. Tell me who you are, what you're doing, and why Haiti 180 exists. I'm Sean Forrest. I live in Nashville, Tennessee, originally from just outside of Boston. And um, I run an organization called Haiti 180. I founded with a priest buddy of mine, Father Louis Morosny, um, graduate of Franciscan University, amazing guy. Um, about 15 years ago, we started doing this crazy thing together. And the reason it's there is because 17 years ago, I went to Haiti. And I went to an orphanage and just kind of saw some horrible conditions, like 300 kids, three caretakers. It was just not good. So I asked God, he said, hey, if you, if you give me a chance, I can make something pretty cool here where we can create future leaders of faith for the country of Haiti. And that's what we've done. God said, go for it. <laughs> so we got some land, put up an orphanage, and then we we're like, you know what? We got to make sure God's all about this and put up a beautiful chapel next to the orphanage. Then we we're like, we have to educate these kids. So <laughs> we put up uh, an amazing school. We have 400 students in our school. Uh, wow. And then 
we need to put up some elderly homes. Uh, we, we built hospice care homes um, in Haiti. If, if you don't mind, I'm just going to jump in. No, please. Yeah. Yeah. Go for it. So in Haiti, up in the mountains, a lot of times the there's not enough food for everybody. They might go one or two days without eating. Mm. Um, so the elderly, like the grandparents, will kind of just go off to die. So there's a little hut, and they'll have their casket right above their head, and then there's just a little grave dug out in front of them, so they just go wait to die. So we um, we go do rescues. So so we're like, we can't let somebody just die in a mat alone in a hut somewhere. So we'd go find, you know, somebody would say, hey, this lady's about to die. So we'd go do a rescue because we didn't, you know, nobody should die alone. So we, we'd sometimes literally carry them and bring them back to these houses we uh, made um, for them to die with dignity. But something really cool happened. Um, the kids in the orphanage were like, hey, man, what is this? Who are these people? So they started coming over, started washing their hands, doing their nails, and then <clears throat> started talking with them. And the elder like, this is kind of cool. And so, so so they didn't die. So we had to turn it into a nursing home. It's so <laughs> funny. They're, and now they're like, <clears throat> when missionaries come down, they just want to sit and listen to them speak because we'll ask them questions and mm-hmm. their faith level. And without being able to read or write, their knowledge of God just through their lives and their struggles is absolutely amazing. Mm-hmm. So they'll be ministering to the missionaries when they come over now. So they're, they're rock stars. It's so cool. Wow. So I want to dig into the story of how this came about. I mean, you knew Father Lewis through Franciscan, I'm assuming, or you met him that way. And you go down there, you see this place that that needs help. And you feel that compulsion, that the compulsion, for lack of a better way to put it, to help. How how did those early days look? I mean, did you just go down there and start building? Did you fundraise? Did you go spend time with the people first to kind of figure out more of the, of the direct needs? What's, what's the early history there? Okay. So the real moment when I decided this has to be done, um, it took place when I went to that orphanage. So I, I was just really coming around into my faith and, get going all right i you know god's pretty clear i started reading this book called the bible and he's really clear about (laughs) you go care for the poor and you don't have to go to haiti to do it but for some reason i just felt compelled to go just the timing my pastor my church like hey i'm going in two weeks and i was like i'm going with you Mm -hmm. so i went to this orphanage i brought my guitar and you know i had this feeling like you most missionaries do like, Hey, I'm going to go and just bring so much joy and it's going to be fun. And it might make you feel good. And you go down for all the wrong reasons. Um, you know, the whole, mm-hmm. I'm going down cause I need something in my life. Well, well okay. But go yeah. down because they need something. Um, so I went down and I walked into the orphanage and none of the kids were playing. They're all just sitting, staring at the walls. And I just thought mm-hmm. that was strange. And, you know, I started to try to play with them, sing a little bit and nothing, absolutely, absolutely nothing. And what it is is because, since they were born, like nobody's there to play with them because mm. so few caretakers. So uh, they look at you with what I say, dead eyes, um, mm-hmm. just stare at you. Like you try to make them smile and it's just, just they're so lethargic emotionally. Um, so I was kind of bummed and I started to walk away and all of a sudden this little kid got up and he walked across the floor and he just stood right in front of me, this little Haitian boy. And I went to pick him up and the director said, don't touch him. And I said, why? And he turned him around and he had all these open wounds on his back, just mm. laying on the ground. And he goes, he's also covered with scabies, which is a mite that gets under your skin. And just it's 
you you know they have scabies because they'll literally rip the skin off trying to get rid of it. And he goes, if you, if we pick them up, we get sick. So that's one of the reasons we can't pick them up. And I was like, oh, so I withdrew, and um, it was kind. Of, and I started to walk away. I pet him on the head and walked away. And God just totally convicted me, and He said, so. <clears throat> I'll die on a cross for you for all your sins, but you won't pick me up because you're afraid of a rash. Mm. And he said, I thought you wanted to be a missionary. And it was kind of at that moment where I was like, okay, the romance is gone of this. It's, it's, it's tough. It's the gospel's brutal. It's, it's, mm. pretty, it's messy. It's, you get sick. It's, and, and so I just picked the kid up and he put his arms around me and I hugged him and he hugged me really tight. And this is just where things clicked. I let him go because I used to do this with my nieces and I just started swinging him back and forth and he just started laughing. And then all the kids just woke up and looked and they're like, Hey, he holds us. And they all ran at me at the same time. So mm. I'm hugging all these kids and squeezing them. And, and the whole time I'm like, I'm going to die. I'm going to get something. This is <laughs> Oh my gosh. And I didn't get anything. Um, but if I had, it's okay. I live in America. There's a pill for that. Um, and that, that's when I was like, okay, I have to do something here. And then I just kept praying. And then um, God, uh, this whole time, I was friends with this girl named Jana Sullivan, who's a graduate of Franciscan University. And she's in, I ran a summer camp and she goes, and I said, you know, God's asking me to build an orphanage. She goes, you know, God's been putting on my heart that I want to help work at an orphanage. And I'm like, how do you get to Haiti? And she goes, my old RA from college, Father Lewis. So I meet him and he goes, come to my village. So we fly down there and then I see the need, which is great. Mm -hmm. So we buy property and then we say, okay, let's just start with one thing and see if God's cool with that. So mm -hmm. we just started doing concerts. I started going out touring, doing concerts, raising money for all that. And, and we put it up. So, I mean, that's the heart of the whole thing was how, how can we say yes to this completely and not be mm -hmm. pretend, a pretend missionary, like the, the guy right. over once a year and then does all the, video interviews you know it has to, it has to be real i don't know if i answered your question but that's no that's that's <clears throat> definitely the answer i mean it was a the lord put something on your heart and you responded i think that's beautiful i especially am struck by the you know holding a young child that they, they need that just this morning my daughter was telling me that she didn't want to stay in bed because she needed snuggles i mean they, 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 and of course she was sort of manipulating me because she's three and a half and she knows that if she tells me she needs snuggles i'm going to let her get out of the bed but kids kids need that connection and and this ministry is providing that let's talk about father lewis for a second because not only did you build this orphanage but you built this chapel you built this this church community tell me a little bit about the Catholic Church in Haiti, what you've observed, what you've seen, how you've seen faith grow and expand, not just in your ministry, but just in general in the country. Before we get to Sean's answer to this question, I just want to make sure that you know that all of the content we are creating for Ave Maria Press's Ave Explores Catholicism Around the World is over at the Ave Maria Press website, AveMariaPress.com. You can sign up to get our weekly emails. You can like us on Instagram, follow us on Facebook, and find all of the things that we're creating just for you, as well as more podcast episodes coming next week. Well, Haitian people have an unstoppable faith it's unshakable i mean they've been through earthquakes hurricanes famines everything and they they'll still go to church still pray even the poorest of the poor still call out to jesus um the problem is just they're they're uncatechized um so mm -hmm. a lot of people can scoop in and they're kind of easy prey to to lure them away from 
the sacraments. And, and it's, well, before we got there, you know, they go to mass maybe once every two years. Mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. people aren't married because there's, you know, there's just no sacraments out there. So that's the difficult thing, the, the catechesis. And then, um, you know, voodoo, voodoo's on the island a lot. So like pieces of voodoo go, it, mm-hmm. it's sort of like the new age Catholic. Mm-hmm. Who's like, yeah, I'm Catholic, but I, you know, I also meditate on the Brahmin bowl during morning, afternoon and um, then, you know, I, I, I worship the tree later, but I go to mass on Sunday. It's like, okay, that's, mm-hmm. yeah, let's work on that a little bit and <laughs> kind of flush that out. So that's kind of the situation there. So intense faith, um, just needing to be catechized mm-hmm. and, um, when, when, and they love learning because they're brilliant people. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So is that one of the areas that y'all are focusing on? Is this catechesis element? I mean, Father Lewis is there. You have missionaries that come in and out and are staying there personally. What are some ways that you're, I don't want to say fixing the problem, but helping build that catechesis? Well, you know, we, we have a we have a sister there. We have a deacon there. Um, our, our school is Catholic. It's, got, um, it's Catholic education. Mm-hmm. So to that and the retreats that we put on for our own kids at the orphanage and the 400 kids at the school, that's great. But also, you know, I have a lot of priest friends who bring down like their youth group, college kids, or we've had a men's group come down. And mm-hmm. um, I, one of the coolest things I saw is a group from Nashville in um, Hendersonville, uh, um, St. John Paul II. The girls there put together a retreat for the girls. So wow. they came and they, you know, they sit up on the roof under the stars and they, and they just talk about faith. And the girls were like, this is amazing. So our, our mission trips are kind of, they're different. It's mm-hmm. not like, hey, come and there's some poor people over there and we're going to build a house for them. It's like, you're going to work with them and we're, you're going to make them dinner because they haven't eaten today. Um, and I want you to share your faith story with them and listen mm-hmm. to them. So it's really, it's really about building a relationship with somebody Mm -hmm. that when you leave, you remember their name and their face and not just, gee, I wonder who's going to get into this house. You're like, you know, uh, you know, I hope James loves this house, you know, and I miss his daughter already and and his his wife. It's it's really beautiful. Mm -hmm. And and one thing I have to tell you about when you said hugging your daughter, you know, Hey, I need snuggles. When we, um, we just recently unfortunately lost uh, one of our girls just, beautiful beautiful uh, 12 years old um julie's her name when we went when we brought her to the hospital the doctors and nurses could not believe that she belonged to an orphanage mm. because of the love and everybody over here they're like going this isn't like not your biological daughter and they're like i've never seen this kind of love poured out and father mm. Lewis came up with a quote that's perfect um we're a home for former orphans because mm-hmm. our place is a home. It really is. When you come there, it's it's snuggles, it's hugs, it's it's beautiful. And the older kids mm-hmm. have raised the younger kids. So just when you said that about snuggles, it was like, yeah, that's one of the pr- most proud things I've ever heard is somebody say, this child can't be from an orphanage because the love mm-hmm. poured out is like we've never seen. Yeah, I mean, it's it sounds like it's it's church, it's community, it's family. Yeah. Um, you know, going going back and forth as frequently as you do, I and mean, you mentioned you're going to be spending the summer there. You were just there. You're going back tomorrow. Yeah. How how has your faith, how has your family, how has your ministry been 
transformed. You know, this whole series is talking about Catholicism around the world, where you're literally going to another part of the world to do this work, to be with these people. What has it done to your faith back home? How has it changed, you know, the church in Nashville where you now live? Like what's, what's been the, the, the return effect, so to speak? So should I give you the nice? I, I no, I want the real Sean Forrest. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, I mean, overall, it's been incredible. I've seen and witnessed incredible faith. And um, through the whole thing, I've been afraid. Mm. You know, uh, just going through dangerous streets and, and up in mountains and just I, people are like, that's incredible. You're fearless. I'm like, you have no idea. My stomach's always upset uh, because I, I don't walk fearlessly. I, I walk into the fear and God carries me there. All these years still, you know, there's times where I'm like, there's so many people. And so honestly, that's a very interesting question. It's weird. Nobody's ever asked me this all year. <laughs> um, but I would say as a family, what it's done for us is incredible. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, working side by side, watching your children say, I don't want to go to the beach or Disney. I want to get back down to Haiti to see my family. Wow. You go, wow, that's great. Or like, I don't need this for Christmas. Um use this for them and uh so myself personally it 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 has brought out some of the best of my qualities and some of the worst um Mm. I uh sometimes when you're under a lot of stress stress affects you and I like I will go to like a month-long just state of sin and like I'm a pagan running an orphanage wow you know and I'm like god be be merciful you know it's like uh I'm I guess, I guess I'm just not your typical orphanage guy. Like people will come and they go, they think like Mother Teresa and I'm up on the roof with a rum and coke and a cigar and they're like, really? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm just as good as it gets, man. I'm sorry. Yeah. Gee. But it's it's still doing incredible things. I know one of the um one of the ministries through the orphanage is adoptions and is 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 placing children in homes where they can be cared for and they can be loved. Um both I'm assuming in Haiti and in the States and around the world, people who are, are able to welcome these children into their homes. How have you maybe seen the ministry of Haiti 180 affect other people and, and positively change others' faith and, and the church in general? So same question, but on a bigger scale beyond your own family. So we don't do adoptions. We're just because... Oh, okay. Yeah, we don't do adoptions because our goal is to raise future leaders of faith for the country of Haiti. Oh, wow. Okay. You know yeah. I mean? So when our kids graduate high school, they speak three languages and mm-hmm. they're going off to be doctors. Uh, one wants to be a priest and, you know, wow. and just come back to this community and just keep building from it's the city's such a mess. Mm-hmm. Got to start somewhere and just hope it grows from there. But I, the emails I've received and from people who've come over on mission, like, Oh my gosh, I was, lost now I'm found you know they encountered Christ in the poor um it's not a sterile event when you come over on a mission it's like buckle up you're, mm-hmm. you need to be the hands and feet of Christ you might be helping to clean the wounds the, the worms out of a wound out of somebody's arm or leg or back um you might just be sitting holding an elderly person or washing their feet or giving mm-hmm. them a bath cleaning their you never know um what God's going to use for you so uh, it's it's and the other thing is you can't use your cell phone. Mm. No service. Yeah. So so 
that's uh, that event right there. When teens have come over, one of the things that makes them cry when they leave is not just, I'm going to miss all this. It's like, I my head's clear. Mm-hmm. I haven't looked at my phone. I can't. I've just, they're, they're playing. They're being yeah. kids. They're being kids again. Yeah. And, and they, they go, I don't want to go back and miss this. This was so, on, yeah. many, on many levels, it's been amazing to see. That's profound. Yeah. That, the fact that there's a place in the world that is isolated yet can be that a missionary goes to do mission, but ends up being transformed as a result of it because of the vibrancy of faith, because of the goodness of the people. Sean, how can folks help? How can we give money? How can we send support? Uh, what's the best way to get involved with Haiti 180? So if you go to our website, Haiti180.com, we ask people to become a team 180 member. And mm-hmm. that's somebody who gets $15 a month. Um, and, or you can do a, oh, $180, you know, but the $15 a month helps us. Like a, a lot of organizations will have an endowment. We mm-hmm. don't. So we ask these team members, there are recurring donations so that we know we can still keep feeding everybody and educating everybody. So 15 bucks a month, we send you a picture of one of the kids with their bio. You get a copy of my book, um, a hat, and we just update you every month with everything going on and try to encourage you to maybe come down and see it. Because mm-hmm. once mm-hmm. you see it, you can't believe it. Because you go, this is all here. I mean, we have one of the most incredible medical facilities up in the Mm -hmm. mountains there. Radiology department, uh, emergency. It's like up in this little mountain. I'll tell you, when God wants to get something done, he's going to get it done. So we just invite people, hey, there's this great place to be able to enter in and go on this journey. Um, Yeah. yeah. Haiti180.com. We need all the help we can get. Yeah, yeah. we'll put that in the show notes. Sean, thank you so much for sharing your story, for sharing about your ministry. Uh, We hope that a lot of people learn more and help more for sure. Well, uh, thanks for having me and uh, God bless you. It's just good to see your face. Yeah, it's nice to see you too. One of the first times Sean and I uh, had the chance to do ministry together, it was at a youth conference in Denver, Colorado. And I was just so struck then by his, his passion and his love for service, going out of his way to take care of the people that are around him. At the time, I was pregnant with my first daughter, Rose, and uh, was struggling a, a bit with the altitude and uh, being pregnant. And Sean was, was ever present and making sure I had water and ice chips. Uh, at one point, I needed an ice pack because I had a terrible, terrible headache. And he he was such a father. He was such a dad. He was he was such a, a kind and compassionate presence. And I think that that comes forth both in this conversation that we just had, but also in the, in the way that he serves the Haitian people and the way that he has built this ministry in Haiti and the way he talks about the unstoppable faith of the Haitian people, about the church that is alive and that is thriving in Haiti. You can find out more about Haiti 180 over at their website. We have it linked down in the show notes. We'd be grateful if you would offer them some support, if you would give them a follow on social media, if you would even just share this podcast so that people can hear about the good work that they are doing and the great things that are happening there and about the church alive in Haiti today. You can find all of the Ave Explorers content that we are creating over at Ave Maria Press website, AveMariaPress.com. You can subscribe to get the weekly emails. We have a new series starting in April about faith and science. What's the intersection between faith and science? How are the two compatible? How do the two 
uh, play nice, so to speak. And we're going to be having conversations with people in the field of science, conversations with astronomers, conversations with astronauts, conversations with people who are on the front lines of looking at the bioethics of vaccinations, the ways that we as Catholics can understand how science affects our lives and how faith is a guide and how those two things together relate. So we hope that you subscribe to this series so that you also don't miss out on the next series that we are creating. As always, we'd be grateful for a rating and a review for this show. Just scroll on down on Apple Podcasts. Give us five stars if you like what you hear. Write us a comment to tell us what you're enjoying. And we'd, of course, love it if you would share it with other people so that more folks can find all of the Ave Explorers goodness that we're creating just for you. Next week, we'll be back with a couple of conversations with folks about the church in Europe, conversations about Rome, conversations about Ireland, conversations about England. So don't miss out. Subscribe so you don't miss any of the episodes. And we will see you soon.